Welcome to the Your K-12 Fundraising Coach Podcast, your weekly mini masterclass designed to give you the tools to crush your goals with less stress. I'm your host, Kim Jennings, a veteran faith-based school frontline fundraiser and certified fundraising executive, a consultant, trainer, coach, and passionate ally for leaders and future leaders serving in Christian schools across the U.S. After nearly two decades in the industry, I'm here to share with you what I've learned and continue to learn from my failures and successes and to bring you insightful conversations with great leaders. If you're a Christian school leader looking for tested strategies to banish the tyranny of the urgent and raise more money within a stronger, thriving team, and you're looking to grow your school's culture of generosity, you're in the right place. Welcome to the Your K-12 Fundraising Coach Podcast. You know what that feels like when you enter an open house, either in college situation or a school. Our family certainly felt it when we would tour open houses in those situations. You feel it. Your families at your school, they feel it. And we've heard it in feasibility studies described often from families. They talk about the community, that parent-to-parent that teacher-to-parent community feeling, that feeling that people get that makes their community special, that right there is part of your DNA. Every school has a DNA. We at Generis talk a lot about how the way that we serve as consultants is very tied into DNA of a school, that we customize everything that we do based on the culture and the needs and the DNA of that specific school. And I'm wondering if you are listening right now, what would you say? How would you describe the DNA of your school? What words specifically would you use to describe your DNA? We expect our new folks to come in and just jump right in and get involved. Our community, our culture has been going on for a while. These people are jumping in midstream. We have to remember that it's midstream. We're wanting them to just figure it out. We might give them some floaties. (laughs) We might give them a pool noodle or something that's going to help them to stay afloat. But I think that we as school leaders often take for granted the fact that there is a lot to figure out in the middle of the current. We want to help to teach them how to swim in the current, but we often don't necessarily remember that we have to give them the tools to do so. One of the reasons why we take for granted that people are able to figure out how to swim in it is because we're looking to the strongest swimmers in our community, the people who are there all the time, the people who volunteer, who raise their hand, the people who give. Those are the Michael Phelps of our communities. And unfortunately, we tend to use them as our measuring stick. You know, this Michael is such a great volunteer. He's such a great donor. He's so involved. We're so grateful. But if we are really honest about the way that we are approaching working with our communities and our schools, we're actually taking some of the credit that's actually due to Michael. We think that we've given him the optimal swimming environment. Look at him go, you know, and we think that he is the norm, but instead we're ignoring all of the regular people, 
all the people who are struggling in that current, they may or may not thrive in our community current. They're the more of the norm, but we don't see them because we are looking to the folks who are the strongest swimmers as our benchmark. And so if we want to grow our community, which I've talked a lot about in, in episode three, I talk about in particular about using the power of community to raise more money. If we want to build community, then we need to be able to instill our DNA into every member of our community. And I think it's really time that we give everybody in our entire community all the life rafts, all the swimming lessons that they're going to need so that they can thrive and they can get their own gold medal in being a community of generosity, that culture of generosity that we want to grow. When we expect our families, especially new ones, to come in and just figure it out, figure out how to swim in our current, we don't give them a swimming lesson, we may not necessarily onboard them properly, that means we're going to get good swimmers when we could have had great ones. We'll get drowning folks when we could have had good swimmers, and we're going to lose families and have a less cohesive community and definitely a less generous community than we could. So today I want to talk a little bit more about that concept of DNA and culture. Can you describe your DNA? If push came to shove, can you actually describe it in words? And can you instill it in families and faculty and staff and everyone else? It's just as important that DNA is instilled in your faculty and staff because that's part of the conduit of your DNA. Can you describe it using words? There is a real power in naming something. Being able to put a name to it, put a word to it, is really important. We never want to assume that just because we feel that sense of DNA and others who are coming into our community feel also a sense of that DNA and they're happy and excited to be there, we should never assume that that means it's getting through to everybody else. What am I saying here? I'm saying that if we internally, with that curse of knowledge that I've talked about before, and the folks who are in our community already, who are very positive, super strong swimmers, we're the Michael Phelps, right? So if we are not looking to all the regular swimmers as the norm, that means that we're not necessarily instilling in them that DNA because we've assumed everybody gets it. Everybody's a strong swimmer. Do you see what I mean? We need to be able to articulate this DNA and then use it to go beyond just that warm, welcoming, typical, usual kind of thing that we do when we're bringing in families. If we are strategic in how we bring in new families, how we instill the DNA in our faculty and staff, if we are strategic in this, then that's going to create that culture of generosity that we're looking for. One way that we can begin to do this is by talking to our people in our school to see if what we're saying resonates with them. This doesn't mean that you need to necessarily have a big you know, marketing consultant and all the people come in and a big fancy thing, although that's fantastic. I highly recommend, if that's a need for you, that you get an outside professional to give you a hand in doing that. 
what I'm saying is go in and talk to various people, your faculty staff, your new parents, talk to them, the rookies, the veterans, those all-stars, see if what we are saying with regard to our community and our mission and being part of a culture, is it resonating with them? And more importantly, ask them to put into words their feelings. Ask them to tell stories that illustrate their feelings about how they feel about being in our school. If they are a family that is an all-star and that's that Michael Phelps kind of idea, then how do they feel? What What are the stories that illustrate their feelings about being in our school culture? But let's also make sure that we chat with other people who are not the Michael Phelps, who are our normal, regular people. Ask them to tell us stories that will illustrate and put words to their feelings. Unfortunately, we tend, I think, to go to the same, say, 30 people to ask them. We have one-on-one conversations with them. We have focus group time with them. We have feedback opportunities with ambassador groups. But in reality, these are our all-star families. On my website, I talk about the five stages of parent tenure. That's the rookie, the starter, the all-star, the veteran, the retiree. And you can read more about that on my website. But what I'm saying here is the people that I've just mentioned that we typically go to for focus groups and so forth, those are our all-stars, generally speaking. But if we're only getting feedback from them, if we're only putting words to our DNA, to describe our DNA, to describe our culture, the words that we're using are only from them, then maybe we may not be describing it fully. Once you have had a conversation with your regular folks, with your Michael Phelps all-star kinds of parents, with your faculty and staff, with your head of school, when you've had this conversation with them, you can begin to bubble up the two to four words that demonstrate what our culture really is. But see, it's important that when you're doing this exercise that you ask them to tell stories. Don't just ask them, how would you describe our culture or our community? Because they're going to choose the words that pop into their head the most often, which may or may not necessarily be the ones that really get deep into the DNA. It might just be a surface kind of concept. So asking the folks in your conversation to tell you stories and then begin to tease out the words from those stories. That's what I'm, I'm meaning by doing this exercise. Let me give you an example of a story that I know of at a school that would help to bubble up what I know to be the DNA of this school. There was a family that had entered this school, which was a, a middle and high school. The family entered seventh grade, the entry point. Within the very first few weeks of school, this child had a stroke. It was tragic, very scary situation, as you can imagine, right within the first few weeks. And the families at this school, the students, the teachers, the staff, I mean, the outpouring of community and support for this family was unbelievable. I mean, it was really beautiful. Everyone there was committed to pouring out love and support for this family. 
they weren't even really in the community. I mean, keep in mind that they had just started in the first few weeks of school. And it wasn't like a family that had been there for years. It was the like literally had been in the school for a few weeks. And keep in mind that those actions could have drifted off after a few months. There wasn't that foundation of relationships before the incident. I think that we would understand that people would continue to give and give and give and support a family more so if the family, if they had, you know, friendships and relationships previously, but that wasn't there at all. Students were going to visit the student in the hospital. They'd only met him, you know, five times, 10 times max. So this is a really beautiful example, I think, of DNA. It's never perfect, of course. But if I were to put words to the DNA of this particular school, this story tells me this. One, it's sacrificial. The teachers and the families of this school gave up time to serve this family and gave a lot of money, frankly, to support those extraordinary medical bills. Sacrificially, they supported and gave to this family. So sacrificial would be a word that I would use to describe this school. Another word I would use is compassionate. Compassionate definitely describes the way that they poured out their lives to serve this family in need. But I've also seen compassion to be a core value in the way that they did other things at this school. The campus ministry, they had opportunities for students to pack bag lunches, with hot chocolate and they'd go every week to bring new socks to people who are homeless in the city of Boston. These kinds of opportunities that teach compassion. The campus ministry had an opportunity for select senior students, young men, to go to a local church and be pallbearers in the funeral of a person who has no one else to lay them to rest. I mean, this is incredibly deep stuff. Talk about building compassion. Talk about sacrifice. These are incredibly deep concepts. And when you see these kinds of stories, you know that this is a compassionate and sacrificial community. They're trying to instill compassion in the students. So this is an example. I think these stories I'm saying I'm saying to you are just two of the words that I would use to describe this school that you may or may not necessarily draw out if you just were to ask a parent at this school, what do you think is special about this school? Would they say that it was sacrificial and compassionate? Maybe, maybe not. But I firmly believe that these are two words that would describe the DNA of this school, which I know well. This episode is sponsored by my digital course, Onboarding New Parents with Purpose, a proven plan for increasing generosity, which I designed especially for you with a suite of tools, templates, and resources that will help you be successful regardless of what month you start your journey with me. I crafted this course when leader after leader asked me, how do we move from transactional giving to heart-led, generous giving from every giver, regardless of the amount of their gift? How do we really cultivate a culture of generosity? This course will help you raise more money in your school using real-world methods designed to work in every school environment, every size school, because they're based on human behavior and community not fancy expensive events 
or tons of staff power. My course is full of practical strategies, effective actions you can take every month, every year to grow generosity and your new parents cohort after cohort, changing the culture of your entire parent community. Learn more and sign up for my digital course, Onboarding New Parents with Purpose, a proven plan for increasing generosity at kimtjennings.com slash culture of generosity. So if you were to use these two words, then how then would we want to A, communicate effectively this DNA within our community so that we have this shared lexicon, so to speak? And how do we communicate effectively this DNA to our new families? And B, how do we instill this DNA in them? It takes intentionality to reach all the swimmers, not just the Michael Phelps, not just the all-stars. If we are able to do this, to teach everybody in the community how to jump in, how to flourish in it, how to be contributing members to it, then we've got ourselves a recipe for a culture of generosity. We need to be intentional to teach folks how to do this. Now we have some words, because in the instance of that I'm saying of this school, we have sacrificial and we have compassionate are two of the words. There'll be others, but we have words to describe the DNA. Now, what are we going to do with them? What are we going to do with our words? Ask yourself two things. One, in what ways can I demonstrate DNA in visceral, real-life, compelling ways? And what methods, channels, and messages would I use to do that? So let's break this down. When our new folks come in, new people are new to our school, they are rookies. I call rookies are that first stage of parent tenure. They're the folks who brand new to our school. They have bright eyes. They are excited to be here. They have no context or very little. They have no real idea about the expectations of them. They want to know the expectations. They need and want us to show them what it looks like to be a parent. They want to be involved. So if we go back to the example of the school I mentioned about sacrificial and compassionate as things that they sought to instill in the kids, in in that instance of that school, the families were cut of that same cloth. I mean, certainly it wasn't just the students and faculty who were serving that family that I was talking about with the the son in distress. It was the other families were coming around that family too. So whatever opportunities are we offering to families and messages that inherently support that DNA? One idea might be having a day of service for families. So not just the students, but families in acts of service action that they can take? How can we network the families to one another to allow them to serve one another? Because part of the DNA of the school is because of the families who make up the community. If they are the DNA, they have it in them. They're attracted to you. You're attracted to them, kindred spirits. So how can we network them together and continue to really foster that DNA, that sense of compassion? How else can we instill the DNA in our families? One really important way that we can do this is starting with our new families to onboard them well. 
So onboarding is a really key component of bringing our new families in. And it's not at all the same as orientation, which orientation is basically helping our families to know what to do, where to find the parent portal, how to get in, where are the places to get your uniform, where do you buy the textbooks, this sort of orientation process, where's the calendar, so forth. Onboarding is when we are instilling culture of our DNA into our new families so that they are a part of our community, part of our family. In order to instill our DNA through this onboarding process, we want to build in opportunities for our new families to learn from their peers. The power of peer voices is second to none in instilling DNA. So we have these words that we've talked about in the case of this example, again, sacrificial and compassionate. We want to highlight ways that our organization, our school is compassionate and sacrificial, but we also want to highlight and draw up into sight of our new parents, those mentor parents who also exhibit these sort of marks of DNA, these marks of sacrificial and compassion, the folks who are modeling what it looks like to be a parent in our school. We want to build an opportunity for the new parents to interact and learn from those folks, that power of peer voice, the power of shared purpose. If you've listened to any of my episodes, you've heard that I do have a course specifically in onboarding new parents with purpose which I would love to talk with you about if you have any questions at all about it. But I go really in depth about how to do what it is that I'm saying today in order to onboard new parents to build a culture of generosity. But what I'm saying today is the key components would be to first understand how to articulate our culture by doing an exercise, by understanding what those words are, those deeply embedded words. But secondly, how can we be intentional about instilling that DNA in our families, in our faculty and staff? So one of the key ways of doing that is through peers. Learning from our peers is going to be a really critical way for us to instill that DNA in our new parents during the onboarding process. And I want to emphasize that instilling must be an intentional act. It's not having a reception and talking from the front of the room. And even if it's a fantastic reception with great messages and an ambassador, you know, is that that peer voice in the room, giving our new families information, all of those things. Those all are great aspects of an onboarding process. But That is just one piece. A true onboarding, a true instilling of the DNA must be all of the things that I said, but also much, much more. It needs to be that mentor-parent interaction, that strategically organic way of regular touch points from the school and from their peers, from those mentor parents out in the community all those regular touch points that are very strategically designed and they feel very organic, all of those things come together to instill DNA. Identifying and intentionally instilling DNA is a critical piece of building a culture of generosity. 
Because when people understand fully the expectations of what it looks like to be in the community, and that is supported very organically all around them, and people understand what their role is, that they belong, how to be a part of the community, all of those pieces together, when all of that comes together, it creates a culture that will foster generosity. It allows you to speak into the culture to ask people to be generous of their time, talent, and treasure, and they will respond with excitement and they will be inspired to be generous. And that culture of generosity is what we need to continue to grow to create a a positive fundraising environment that is sustainable that we can continue to grow our development results year over year over year. If we're very careful about articulating our DNA and being intentional about instilling it in our faculty staff, in our families, and especially in our new families, then we will begin to see a change in our culture. And if you're very deliberate about doing this activity among your new parents in particular, Leveraging the opportunity of them being excited as rookie parents and wanting to know about the culture, wanting to know how it is to be involved, wanting to know what it looks like to be a parent in your school. You have the opportunity to pour into them and tell them what it looks like to be a parent at your school. This is instilling DNA. As I say in my onboarding class, this concept of turning a giant oil tanker. If your school is a giant oil tanker and you want to change its trajectory, you're going to do that bit by bit. An oil tanker doesn't turn quickly. You can't just swing the wheel and make it turn to the right real fast. You have to do it bit by bit. And so when you onboard each new cohort of new parents using these tools of instilling DNA, providing mentor parents, having that strategic organic approach, having the power of peer voices, being very strategic in the way that you onboard your parents. If you do that year over year, you will create the culture that you want with your new parents. Within no time, you'll have a fully developed culture of generosity that is sustainable across your entire school campus, faculty, staff, parents, everyone, all of them joining in and embodying this DNA in a very public way, which frankly also helps your admissions. So you can't go wrong there either. I do encourage you, if you have any questions about how to onboard new parents, I do have many resources. And of course, my digital course, which if you have any questions about that, please let me know. But I do encourage you to check it out because I have lived this I've seen results and I created this course specifically in order to help folks learn how to instill the DNA of their school in their new parents cohort by cohort. That's what I have for you today. I hope that it's been helpful and please don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And as always, if anything in this podcast has been helpful for you or if there's someone that you think it would be helpful for, please feel free to share this with them. If you like what you're hearing and if this is helpful, please do consider giving my podcast a rating and leave a review. Let me know what's working for you. What am I sharing that is resonating with you and what are you able to use in your work from day to day that is helping your work be stronger? I really would love to know 
how I am serving you because that's my goal. I am on a mission to build strong schools with flourishing communities, thriving cultures of generosity, with confident, healthy leaders, with healthy, high trust teams. That's what I'm about. That's my mission. And I hope that it is helpful for you. Thanks again for joining me today. Thanks for listening. See you next week.